0: With over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number two hundred and thirty. And it's also the last episode of 2022. I want to say thank you one more time. Thank you for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Thank you for making Ask the Tech Coach something that you listen to each and every week. If this is the first episode... Welcome. My name is Jeff Bradbury and I am an instructional coach. And for the last 11 years have been helping out instructional coaches learn how to bring in a future ready standards based strategy into their classrooms to support their districts, their buildings, their teachers, and of course their students. And today we have a fantastic episode with two amazing guests, two instructional coaches that are now on the outside members of the Samsung education team. And today we're going to talk a little bit about where education and educational technology is, both from the instructional coaching point of view and from the ed tech point of view. And i am got to tell you now, we went long. This was a fantastic conversation. And... I'm excited to bring it to you. And I'm going to tell you again, this is going to be part one of a multi-part series. Cause I'd love to see these topics go long form. So stick around to the end. We got a couple things to share. I told you in the last episode, I'd be sharing some secrets. So make sure you hit the end. And by the way, Happy holidays. I hope you guys are doing okay out there. I want to say thank you to everybody out there in our instructional coaches network. We're now past 1,300 coaches and growing each and every week. So if you haven't yet joined our PLNs, head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Scroll down to the bottom. You can join us on LinkedIn, K12 Leaders, and Facebook. And we want to say thank you one more time for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. My first guest today is the Director of Education, Technology, Consulting and Solutions at Samsung. I want to bring on today Dr. Micah Shippey. Micah, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Very good. Thank you, Jeff. Really excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. I am looking forward to learning a whole bunch about what's going on at Samsung, but also you got a pretty interesting background. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I'm, I left the classroom, middle school social studies, um, just in June. So I'm pretty fresh six months out of the classroom after 22 years of middle school bliss. Uh, I miss the energy and the kiddos, but I'm very fortunate to be working with colleagues that are in the same boat, have a real heart and passion for teaching and learning. Uh, I've written a couple books about the teacher journey uh, at Wanderlaw CDU, and uh, there I explored the why of what we do with technology adoption. Uh, As well as another book I uh, co-published with Jesse Lubinsky and Christine Lyon-Bailey called Reality Bites, which is a little bit of the what with technology adoption, focusing on augmented and virtual reality.
1: Well, that just opens up many, many shows that we're going to have to have you back on. So we're going to certainly go into all of those things. Um, I got to ask at the top of the show here, what is the difference and what is it like being out of the classroom? Are you enjoying it? What's the working from home like versus the driving into your chalkboard? What's it been like the last couple of months doing that transition?
2: Well, um, I'll just, I'll tell you right off the bat, I, I get to use the restroom whenever I want. Um, you know, for my colleagues out there that are still in the uh, classroom, that is, uh, that's a huge perk. There's no price tag on that particular perk. Um, it's a little weird not having, you know, Kids asking me questions that make me chuckle, um, because I really enjoyed that. Um, The aha moments I had in the classroom with 12 and 13-year-olds, I miss those. I get those in my meetings, but it's a little harder in a virtual meeting to really see that. Um, I see a lot from a hybrid perspective, the foreheads or cameras off. I see less of that, which is nice, because that was a little rough. The smells are different. I have a nice candle. I can light a candle in my office here at home that I could not have in my classroom. So, you know, my classroom smells in middle school are pretty spectacular.
1: I I, I had to put the mute button on because when you had mentioned the bathroom thing, that is the same answer that I give to new coaches all the time, you know, (laughs) Yeah. What's what's the difference between being a coach and being a fifth grade or a middle school teacher? And I went, I'm always going to say, you don't have bells. You can go to the bathroom any time that anytime. you want.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems like such a silly thing, but people who are in the know are in the know.
1: Well. Speaking of being in the know, my next guest is a TEDx speaker, Google certified trainer, Google innovator, Google certified coach, and also the co-host of the Liberated Educator podcast. I want to bring on Mr. D. D- Lanier. D, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach.
3: I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Of course, always great being here with Dr. Shippey. Uh, so, yeah, happy to be here. My background, um, I definitely did not have just the straight route to where I am today. Uh, really found myself in all of the places in which I have been in. in um, I started in education 22 years ago, but did not stay in the classroom. I started doing professional development mainly because I did not love the professional development that I was receiving, um became a tech coach in that regard, and then uh, later to that became a full-time position, been in the classroom uh, ten years total, but in that have uh, had great opportunities to meet folks all across the globe doing lots of PD and uh, and really growing in conjunction with um, students in various locations, my own children and teachers that work in multiple locations, and most especially working with tech coaches and instructional coaches, and really having to hear how things are wildly different all across the country, in particular, uh, in the US, as things are very different in different locations. And so to to learn those things and uh, to constantly be a learner in community has been my joy.
1: You know, we were talking before the recording. You and I have so much in common from our love of Google and, and Ted stuff and being a a father of multiples. How are you doing this school year? It's <laughs> a That's question brilliant. that I ask a lot of a uh, lot of coaches, but how, uh, how have things been this year for you and in, in the, the work that you're doing? I would say things are a lot
3: better this year. I will say obviously it's probably the recurring Uh, statement right when the pandemic hit and then dot 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 when the pandemic hit it was absolutely bananas but it was also extremely frustrating for me as a parent right to see um just to really see where even my not to throw my kids school under the bus but to even see like where they were really right um and, and to recognize wait a minute folks have not been prepared to make this transition to Um, Online learning. And of course, we can speak to the inequity of devices and Internet um, to uh, school rules and, you know, expectations. I mean, all of those things uh, were present, but also just the the utter just chaos that ensued Mm -hmm. and and of course things things changed and and i think a lot of people learned a lot of things and that was good but i will say if there's one disappointment and this is more speaking globally i thought that we had such a great opportunity to rethink to reimagine how school is done and if there's anything i would say uh things are back to quote unquote normal right and normal wasn't working before and that was exposed but Like it seems like this year folks are just a lot of schools and a lot of teachers are, they're like, yay, we're back. We're back to normal. We're back to way things were before. And I'm like, didn't, didn't we learn some things? My, my kids are, uh, have certain assignments where they're asked, uh, and it's mandatory for them to print things and to bring them uh, in. And I'm like, wait a minute. How, what, how was that even, how is that even a thing even in a like very tech rich home as my house, uh, Who said I had a printer? But but to put those expectations on children, it's just wild to kind of see uh, in some ways it kind of feels like we've not just gone back in time to um, back prior to the pandemic. But it feels like a reminder. Oh, yeah, we were outdated, really outdated back then. And, And that that's what it feels like right now.
1: Well, I'm glad that both of you are here. And especially now, you know, where the holiday is right in front of us, the calendar is turning over and for many coaches, we are looking back, but we're looking forward here. I know for myself, I've had an amazing year. Um, I'm in a new building, have a great teacher, great administrators, I have a ton of support, but that's not the case for all coaches. And as you mentioned, there are, teachers that are moving forward. There's teachers that are kind of there. There's teachers that are saying, I'm done with technology, which kind of leaves you scratching your head a little bit. Michael, let me ask you here. You, I don't want to say you were. You are a teacher, but you're now working outside of the classroom. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that's happening right now at Samsung Education. Where does EdTech see themselves inside of the role of the teacher inside of the classroom. What does ed tech look like from your point of view?
2: Yeah, well, from from my point of view, it's it's understanding um, the end user. Um, That's one thing that really impressed me moving to Samsung from the classroom was that in this particular company, the voice of customer has high value. So you could read an article that says do it. You could read research that says do it. You could talk to a product guy that says do it but unless the customer says this is valuable, they won't invest in it. That's really fascinating to me. So when it comes to helping serve the education community, we wanted to build a team of veteran educators, seasoned trainers, and education thought leaders that could empathetically work with educators at every level of adoption. We can work with the innovators and early adopters, the real geeks, and we can work with the late adopters and the laggards because we have established on our team the importance of uh, empathetically working with end users, working with classroom teachers. And and that's something that I think we're really proud of as a team, that that we know how to help people uh, wherever they are to move forward, forward in understanding innovation as being helpful and having value on it. Dee, does that make sense to you?
3: Yes, and. I think maybe, maybe it wasn't, it probably wasn't mentioned, but it's worth mentioning that uh, I'm on Micah's team, right? Uh, So I'm a part of the Samsung coach team and Micah recruited me. And one of the things when we talked and spoke about, I said, well, Micah, you know what I care about. You know that I mostly care about equity and education and real world problem solving and design thinking. he said, and that's why I want you on our team. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> you know, so it was kind of like, "Oh, well, deal." Then let's let's continue to uh, look at this. And I could not agree more with what Micah said. It's it's interesting working for a company like a Samsung, right? Where you think about Samsung technology and electronics and uh, appliances, and it's very broad. Um, but then, in particular, in the work that that we do, I will say um, we have had the. The grand opportunity to really listen, to what educators like really, really longing for, and go right back to her and say, "Hey, this is what they said," uh, and so that's what that's what teachers are asking for. We kind of already knew it instinctively know what we would want as teachers. And this and the teachers are saying yeah, this is what we need. Um, and so it's been beyond just uh, you know laptops, Chromebooks uh, mobile devices, interactive displays. but really in many ways it's been wanting you want people to help us.
1: I, I'm so glad that you mentioned end users and teachers mm-hmm. because for many school districts, the term end user and technology adoption and innovation, all of those things, That's a hard thing to do. And for a coach, we want to be on that cutting edge. We want to be moving forward. We want to say, look at this great thing. But in so many situations, you walk into a classroom and I say, Micah, let's do this. And Micah goes, eh. Is the end user, Micah, the teacher or is the end user the getting that admin buy-in that has to say, guys, all of us are going to be using this thing, this skill, this method, this thing. And if the administrator says, we're going in this direction, then the teacher's got to go, okay, here we are. Which then kind of leads the coach to say, here's how we're going to lead the way. So my question to you, Micah, is – when we're looking at it from an ed tech point of view and everything that you guys just said, I was translating that into a coach. You have this thing, you have to move, you have to figure it out, but there has to be a vision for where, what, when, and how. How does an ed tech company support teachers in using it? How does an ed tech company support administrators in figuring out what it is, how to use it, what the vision is? Mm-hmm. Maybe use some data points but how does an ed tech company connect with the instructional coaches that are out there that are advocating and leading and building the training supports? How does an ed tech company like Samsung and any others support all three of those layers in education? So ultimately the students can benefit from it.
2: Yeah, I would say Jeff, that the, the, the answer is the key word of relationships. It's the same reason why D and I could see, Uh, IT directors all over the United States and Canada be successful, it's when they cared about relationships. I saw people coming to Saturday Professional Development because they loved their director of technology and they wanted him to be happy with them. It's all about relationships. So that's internally. So for schools to increase adoption, there's relationships, because relationships infer that, that you care about people's viewpoint that you understand that they come from a different perspective than you, and you work on understanding their why. So when you articulate value, you're articulating value within their context. So if you're talking to a fifth grade math teacher, you're not going to show them something that would relate to a fifth grade phys ed teacher. You're talking very specific. And of course, the relationship, the friendships, that's the stuff that's really sustainable. So for Samsung, you know, our perspective is the same. How do we help that adoption at the IT level, the director level? How do we we help that adoption at the grassroots level? And it's that we believe in relationships, longitudinal relationships. We don't think there's a lot of value in drive-by PD. We think that professional development should be an open door for a long-term relationship.
3: And if I can add, Micah, I would say... We also value, and I think this is a company value, um, so this is a company value, it's why it's uh, seamless in terms of us being connected to it. And really, we see lots of value in working with schools with the technology they have, and instead of trying to sell them on something that's proprietary and siloed and Mm -hmm. isolates them from, right, what they already use. And Mm -hmm. so if they have Chromebooks, if they have Macs, if they have PCs, if they have Androids, if they have iPads, like, great, we want to use that. If they use the laundry list of, of different ed tech apps, we have some level of proficiency with many of them. Um, the relationship piece also, we have relationships with many of those different companies and so us being able to share uh, collaboratively in what they are already using um, and then helping them improve what they are using for the students is something that we are really big on. So, for instance, we bring uh, interactive displays into the classroom. Well, We've not really changed anything as it pertains to the students, if all we do is set up an interactive display that takes the place of the projector that was there before that, the whiteboard that was there before that, sitting, you know, facing the the straight rows, right? We've done nothing to actually change or transform that learning environment if all we did was just replace the technology or the low tech that was there with our new tech, but instead to say, how do we take this interactive display and create an interactive learning environment? How can we work with the teachers in order to help them think that way if they're not already thinking that way? Or how can we identify, I think with some of the language that Mike was using earlier, how do we identify some of those innovators and then help broadcast what they are doing so that others can see it as well? Mm -hmm. So that we are really uh, creating the learning environments that we not only believe um, but we have research that proves, right, is more effective.
2: And I, and I think our uh, one way to think about it is that our, our education coaches serve, serve a very similar role, almost identical role to an in-house school coach. You know, the in-house school coach has stronger relationships than we do, of course. And so we have to work a little harder to foster those relationships. But But in both places, the onus is on us as coaches to put teaching and learning first and help help uh, demonstrate that we understand the value in good teaching and learning practice, and that technology or any innovation, including strategies, serve as an amplifier. They will amplify good practice. They will also amplify things that we need to work on. So if our instructional strategy is sit and get, and we start using more and more technology, it's going to amplify that. Perhaps we need to make some shifts and adjustments to make things more interactive. It seems so easy and
1: yet after 200 and some odd podcasts, the theme, if I was to put a a theme on this entire podcast series, 230 some episodes, is it's all about relationships. And when we're looking at that as an instructional coach, it's not easy. There's a lot of hats, right? You have to be that teacher hat. You have to be that administrator but not hat you have to be that advocate hat and for many coaches it's difficult because you're constantly putting that hat on and off if you're lucky as an as an instructional coach you have an opportunity to think outside of your district and have the opportunity to interact outside of your district um in my district i have an awesome um professional learning network. I've got a lot of great coaches that I work with, digital learning coaches, instructional coaches, math coaches, science coaches, et cetera. But I also have a wonderful network of instructional technology. I don't know if the right word is vendors, but people from the educational technology services that are here to help us. And they help us create that roadmap. They help us design lessons and say, look, here's our product. Here's how we use this. So I want to ask both of you this question. If you are an instructional coach and you have the opportunity to work with a Samsung, to work with a Microsoft, to work with Google, to work with whoever these big companies are, what advice do you have for advocating for your students and your teachers when working with these vendors on their technologies?
2: You have to understand where you're coming from. I I think I I can speak for myself and perhaps D will agree when we started to get involved with large companies like Google, I was still in the classroom, became a Google level one, level two trainer and eventually innovator. And in that whole process, especially innovator, I thought, aha, here's the moment where I have Google's ear. I'm gonna go into Google HQ and I'm gonna change the world and everything will will be better for my classroom. And, and, and that was a bit naive. You know, Google has their own key performance indicators, has their own way of making money. That you know is still a bit ambiguous to some, um, and so thinking that you're going to go in there and uh, have them develop a product of your making or your creation from your brain—that that's not—that likely isn't going to happen. But when you find the right person from a product team that wants to hear about the the customer experience. Just understand that they've got some other things in their mind. Now, one great example is when you talk to a product team member, and, and Dee and I both experienced this at Samsung, We, it's easy to come with a solution, but they want you to think about the problem and describe the problem more because they might attack the solution from a whole different angle that's so much more efficient, and it, it just demonstrates their value in product development that we're not trained in. So focus on what we know. We're subject matter experts in teaching and learning. Let's talk about teaching and learning. Talk about the plight of a teacher, the the positives, the things that we want to see more of, the negatives that we want to fix, the daily grind. How do we help teachers and, and talk more about those problems and then work with people like that that are, are solution-driven folks that, that that know the product in and out.
3: No doubt, and if I can uh, respond by telling a story, y'all okay with story time with D? Long story time. With D. <laughs> um I mean, I mean, in short answer, I would say almost like what Micah said. I wouldn't even focus on first and foremost saying I'm going to speak to all of the representatives from said company, and I'm going to give them all of my feedback and hope that they implement all the changes. I mean, there, there can be some effectiveness that's in that as relationships are truly established but i think that some of the the best takeaways that i have had from different ed tech companies has been connecting to the communities that they have started right Mm -hmm. and have really so my pln has grown uh, because i have grown in Attachment with others who use some of the same products that I have used and then I've learned about other products that other people use from those other people, right? So it is expanded and it has grown and it's really been in those relationships that most of my communication has happened. But the the quick story is had a situation at a former school that I worked at where we had a student who uh, he just really shut down one day when his cursor on his chromebook turned from red to blue and um I had a teacher come and compound on the door and say uh you got to help you got to help because this is a student who we we had learned and figured out some accommodations that worked for him, and this was one of them in giving him a Chromebook, and that he started to interact with his teacher in a way that he never did before because she would, you know, fish for answers verbally, and and he would literally stare at the wall, and it was really through this other teacher who said, um, "What if we try putting technology in front of him?" And see if he communicates in that way. And, and it totally worked. I mean, she, she just said, let's try it. And it worked. And this this young man wrote paragraphs upon paragraphs every day. So this is a student who would stare at the wall and never respond to any questions. Who then reverted to, or not reverted, but, but started uh, communicating in very strong ways. But then because his cursor changed uh, into a different color he, um, he shut down. And so it was in the community of the Google trainers that I started to communicate, um, just need for help and recommendations. And I did not know that a Googler was listening in. And then she reached out and said, I have my engineers on it and came up with a little hack in order to make his cursor permanently red, And, um, it it just changed, it changed everything, not only for him, but it definitely changed everything for me. So I say, I would say, you know, sometimes it's it's about being involved with that community. It's about um, those relationships and the people that can help you within that community. And then you never know, you know, if some of the support can also come from on high, so to speak. Um, but sometimes it's just about making your needs known within the broader community and you never know who will come and reach out and help.
1: That That is an awesome story. And sometimes we forget that companies, yes, they're corporations, et cetera, but they're run by people. And in many cases, they're people that are trying to build a product for their kids who are students, just like the ones that we're working on. And it doesn't matter if it's a startup with, with, you know, with a young CEO who's got a, a team of three or four and they can pivot and they can add and they can change. And all they want to do is to hear what's wrong. So- they can make it better, or it is a monster giant, Google, Microsoft, et cetera. And even though it might take a company that size longer to implement something, I've had situations, and I'll just pull up one at Microsoft where I've said, this is great, but – and I just happen to have the right ear, and next thing you know, like two to three months later, that feature was in, and I can just kind of smile and go, yeah, that was my conversation. And so many people – When it comes to the school districts, we have to be thinking the same way. How do we create that environment where the students are going to be future ready, are going to flow and are going to strive? But they're going to strive because their teachers are competent and and able to do these things. Micah, talk to us a little bit about where we are in, you know, maybe building some kind of a technology adoption roadmap. What could that look like? These are topics that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years but I'm curious to know what your point of view is on this. How can a school create a solid roadmap for technology adoption?
2: Yeah, for a school to create the roadmap for it, they, they need to be thinking, again, future ready for students. And, and that's a little bit tough because we're, we're talking about uh, jobs, the workforce, um, and tasks that haven't even been invented yet. I mean, think about SEO. What was SEO 10 years ago? What was a, a social media influencer 10 years ago? Uh, either non-existent or brand new. So, how do we prepare people for that and, and students for that? From a technology perspective, we want th- we want technology um, to be ready, ready for us to scale into, to scale up. So, looking at old technology, I mean, we're not buying technology that has VGA ports, right? We're not di- we're not buying anything that has the the red, white, and and green uh, or yellow plugs in them. We're looking for something that's going to allow us to scale up and scale forward. And so, larger tech companies like Samsung are thinking that way. Um, while we don't really, we don't pivot super fast like a startup. That's a great example, Jeff. I come from the startup space as well. We, we don't, we don't pivot like that. But we are, we're thinking very diligently about what's down the road um, for uh, new technologies that will allow us to cast, for example, to cast um, better, more efficient, and bidirectional. Uh, in a way that perhaps our competitors are not quite thinking. And so uh, the larger companies like Samsung are companies that, are again, are thinking way ahead. And, and you know, Samsung's going to be here in 10 years. Are all of our competitors? I don't know. In the interactive space, I should say.
1: What should that roadmap look like? Should that be a three-year roadmap,
2: 10-year roadmap? Generally, I would be... I, really, Yeah, I'd be really cautious to select specific technology 10 years out. I I don't think I would be doing that. Uh, Selecting specific types of technology three years out, that makes sense. So if you're thinking about tablets, I I wouldn't say iPad. I wouldn't say a specific Android model. I would just think tablets. Um, Chromebooks, they'll be around for a while still, of course, a productive tool. Think about that Chromebook type technology. Think about large displays over projectors. Uh, That's the kind of thing that I would be thinking ahead on for a roadmap for technology departments. But they're also very heavily context driven. So it depends on your school, depends on your community, depends on the the job readiness that you're preparing students for um, that's localized or hybrid. So what are you training students to do? Are you training them to go out physically into the workforce or to be productive working at home? And so we want school to be the, the access point to the technology that, that students uh, will require to be successful in the future. I think that um, schools have taken up the, the mantle of the public library of 50 years ago, which yeah. was to provide books and LPs and cassette tapes that you couldn't otherwise really afford on average to have access to. I remember my mom bringing us to the library once a week and coming home with books and then going back and then bringing more books home. It would be way too costly for us to have a library of all those books, but you know, mom wanted to provide away. Well, that's what schools are. I mean, not every kid's going to have a VR headset at home. Not every kid's going to have uh, access to augmented reality technologies, but, but schools can be should be that access point. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the kind of thing that we need to be thinking of. Maybe leave a little slush fund in the budget uh, as we as we move forward, because as we know, technology does get cheaper over time.
1: D, what's your thoughts on all of this coming from the classroom being in this part? What should teachers, what should coaches, what should school districts be thinking about when they're looking at building that roadmap, outfitting things? Is it mobile? Is it standby? Is it built under the wall or uh, another idea? Oh, wow. So I, I think
3: mindset first. And then okay. I think, well, what is the. What is the thing? Second. Um, so, from a mindset standpoint, I would say, you know, what not to do, first of all. And that is just to think of uh, utilization of technology in just better and bigger ways than we've used it in the past, right? That's what I was speaking to before. But instead, if you think, how do we transform our learning environment to be more like what we know? Good teaching and learning is, right? Like how do we produce what we've never or we have rarely produced in the past, right? So instead of we're just going to do what we've been doing, but do it better and shinier and faster and uh, more widgets and bobbles and things. And we're going to make sure that we make testing easier. And we're going to make sure that we, um, you know, reinforce individualism so much more effectively. But if instead we're looking at, I think, what um, Mike was also speaking to of not only are there jobs that have that don't exist yet that so we don't know what we're building towards, but we do know some of the principles of what we are building towards. Right. And is so uh, I w- I will overuse on purpose all day, every day, the word collaboration, because if we know that the majority of what anyone is being prepared for in the future involves collaboration, then why do we isolate and create individualism? And all right. So like, how do we utilize technology and, and how do we bring technology that allows for interactivity, for collaboration? Um, and, and so I would say principally based, that's what I'm thinking about. And then uh, real quick, I, I kind of have these five C's that I always speak about, and I will n- never apologize for, for speaking about them. Um, but it's thinking open. And so thinking open towards the future is uh, oftentimes Uh, decision makers, whether they are the people who are, you know, making purchasing decisions or people that are influencing, they're thinking, how do we, you know, bring about something that's capable of what we want and make sure it's cost effective for our environment. And they're like, check, check. We got that. We're good. That's what we're buying. And I would say, level it up, Uh, level up what your criteria are, you know, past the capable, past the cost effective, but look, is it cross-platform? Because Mm -hmm. our future is going to continue to utilize technologies made by different companies that uh, I want to make sure that the majority of students have access to, whether they have, you know, all of those different uh, tools named before. And then most importantly, and I think collaboration is king, right? And so outside of features, Right. This has this feature. This has that features that the number one feature is can multiple students in the same classroom, as well as with the teacher, as well as with classrooms across the globe, be able to interact with one another. And if that is a capability, then that is like top tier. And then with that, we can integrate even more and better teaching and learning practice and, and, uh, and really allowing students creativity to shine uh, in the multiple ways in which students express themselves, which then brings in culturally responsive. So those are my, my five talking points that I cannot ever get away from. And what that technology looks like, I just think we have a, a rubric in which we look at things and say, does it do these things? Um, bare minimum, is it capable, is it cost effective? Okay, that's what
1: everybody's asking. I want to ask you two questions. They're really the same, but I want you to see if you can put on two different hats. In your previous life as an instructional coach, what was your role in helping your districts form this technology adoption roadmap, whether it be at the district level, building level, classroom level?
2: For me, it was um, more of a consultative, like this would be great if. Um, I found my name on multiple... Um, technology committee documents. And it would say, Micah Shippey, social studies teacher, you know, a turnkey tech coach. Um, that was it. My name was on it. Did I have much say? It was more shared decision-making. It was made and then shared with me.
3: In my role uh, in my first school was very much a combatant. Uh, not on purpose but it was you know we had a tech director and the director had a mindset that was very much like security mm-hmm. minded right everything yep. was about making sure everything was secure and i was about how do we make you know i've kind of said it right <laughs> like how do we <laughs> like do what's not being done and uh and so that that turned into you know lots of uh sort of infighting um so to speak that then my, my principal called me in and said um, I hear what your students are doing. And I think students win in my, many cases. So um, when you allow for your students and then in my case, it was also helping other teachers. And so then allowing their students to be successful in ways that uh, just wasn't normally allowed, then it, it kind of made a case in point. Uh, and then that turned into, you know, another a role at another at another school where that was my specific job which was to coach teachers in the technology integration um but i think even you said some stuff earlier jeff with those multiple hats and sometimes they get confusing right like some depending on what teacher you spoke to one teacher is like help me i need your help i want your help Mm -hmm. you know i'll gladly take your help another um very reluctant and reticent to anything which is new and change Uh, And then some that were a little bit like just distrusting of me and my role because like, wait a minute, if I show that I'm deficient in certain areas, is this going to somehow like get back to administration and become like punitive measures will will come on? You know, so it's like all of these weird sort of scenarios and having to uh, really help my whole community recognize my only job is to help you be successful because that will help your students. And uh, that takes time.
1: You know, as a coach, we sometimes forget this. Right. And, and I you know, remember talking to a principal once and I said, well, what was the first thing you did when you got the job? And she's like, I called a safety guy and we, we talked about fire drills. Safety and security is her only and number one priority. And as a tech director or whatever that high title is, the only thing on your mind is those three important words, student data privacy, making sure everything is here. So I asked you that question specifically about your time in the classroom and as an instructional coach and as a teacher. But I want to ask that same question now with the ed tech hat on from where you are at Samsung. And I don't want to ask you to speak for all or other ed tech companies. But where does Samsung or Samsung education see the role of the instructional coach when it comes to a getting product adoption, b getting professional development training on their product or, you know, see helping to create or use that a technology adoption. This is something that's near and dear to my heart. I've had a lot of experience working with other companies, but I'm curious for Samsung, where do you see the role of the instructional coach fitting into the entire bubble?
2: Um, I, I think that I'd ask, have a question that I would ask the two of you related to that. And it's a, what if question? Cause I'm a bit of a romantic. What if in our, in our tech Uh, adoption strategy, we flipped everything on its head. And we started to talk about professional development planning that came with tech, not technology that came with some professional development. What if we talked about the shift in training and learning as something that we invest in, financially budget for, supporting a shift in strategy, and said, by the way, it comes with X technology. Or it's a shift that whatever technology is appropriate will be bundled with that. And so that's a, uh, again, taking this strategy of, of, you know, buying new hardware and flipping it. Because then, then what we're investing in, we're buying uh, instructional strategies that promote uh, a better future, that really prepare students for what's next. And so that's something that we've talked about on our team. Now, Jeff, what do you think about that?
1: I, I mean, say that one more time, because that's something that I, I've heard with a lowercase h but i haven't heard really with a capital h what if you're buying professional development that comes with technology
2: yeah what if you're buying you like that i mean why not why not why not approach it that way we we keep thinking about it backwards we keep thinking i'm going to buy chromebooks and i hope google bundles pd with them well what if we what if we shifted and thought okay what you know, there's a big danger. One of the big dangers that came out of the pandemic was many of us in the classroom um, learned the the golden handcuffs of automation. And all of a sudden, every every quiz is a form that gets auto graded, and it's like, whoa, wait a second, that got out of control. Well, let's take a couple steps back. Well, how does that happen? That that comes from interpreters. Well, professional okay, development.
1: Okay, I'm going to stop you here because I, I'm going to tell you the. Uh, okay, so immediately when when I'm processing that two real emotions just hit me. The first one I think is the self-defense, which is if you're doing all the professional development, then what am I here for? And and that's just – that that's my Mm -hmm. fight or flight. I get where that comes from Mm -hmm. because then when I sit back and I really take that in, is the concept you, the company, is training me, the coach, and then I, the coach, and then training everybody, or is the concept – random pd day that everybody loves they're gonna bring in (laughs) samsung education and you're going to zoom call to the whole masses and boom we suddenly know more than we did five hours ago what does that really look like what does that really mean when it's the ed tech company providing the PD that, oh, by the way, here's a board. or We, we
2: love we love the train-the-trainer model. We're, we respect that model, and we want to support that model. But what I have found in my consulting years across the world is many schools do not have tech coaches. True. They don't have the capacity. So we would be remiss if we weren't prepared to do the whole soup to nuts, train 500 teachers on one day. Yep. So that's the type of thing that we do talk about. We prefer face-to-face because we think it uh, hyper-accelerates relationships. But both, train the trainer is generally optimal for schools, but we wanna make sure that they have access to the knowledge that we're trying to support them with.
3: Dee,
1: what's Um, your thoughts on this?
3: Oh gosh, so many, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. Putting you on the spot now. Micah asked an inquisitive question and I'm like, oh goodness, will will you hire me? And then he already did. And so I I love it. But even to, I I feel your pain, Jeff. I actually appreciate your question so much. Being Mm -hmm. so one of my roles in the past is I was a mentor to tech coaches uh, and had the privilege over the course of three years of working with 65 different schools across the country. And every single one of those schools had a a tech coach uh, or instructional coach. And I I would say both and not either or in that um, obviously I I think we, can be most effective in working with the people who are the boots on the ground, who are the people who are able to understand and, um, you know, they understand their entire context, the people, the limitations, the technology, the how the tech is locked down, the, all the things, right? They know all of those things. Um, and my PLN automatically becomes their PLN. Right. Yeah. So it's not just right. me having all the answers. It's my network is now your network. And so uh, I want to connect you with others who may have similar questions or uh, or in similar circumstances uh, or someone else who has figured out uh, how to overcome certain challenges. And so that is definitely true. And then sometimes right, there's as Micah said, there's certain contexts where that does not exist. There is not a tech or instructional coach, but there is always a leader. Mm-hmm. there's always a standout leader who will take initiative and who will speak on the behalf of others and seek answers and bring them back. And that, I think, is still part of our job. Even if it is, we come in and we do a full staff PD and we're doing follow up. It's that connection with and I, I can speak to a couple of schools that we're with today in that um there are a couple of people who regularly just interact with me and I give them as much support as I know how to give and they take that back to their environments. Right. And so our job is to, is to really help equip them and empower them and to learn from them. I think that this is a reciprocal relationship.
1: I I work with a lot of school districts in addition to my own and you know, here's the board. It's a thousand bucks. And now I'm going to charge you X, X, for pd is that the right model or is the right model to say the board's 1500 but it comes with 25 hours of pd and it's all built in
2: so great question um that's one of the first things that we made sure was perfectly clear to to samsung customers for our interactive devices is we include a three-hour introductory training with our devices that are sold so it's just included that we also included. Uh, access to that education coach for your trainers to reach out to, to your teachers to reach out to, to say, hey, I'm trying to do this in my classroom. You got any ideas? So we're establishing that relationship. And then we added on top of that, I feel like the ShamWow commercial guy. And wait, there's more. Did I just mix up infomercials? I think I did. So what we added to that on top of it was monthly virtual professional development that we do uh, online, give access to people to join, and they can get some more thought leadership from our team. Um, but we want that relationship to be long. We want to include as much as possible.
1: I love that, and you know, you a, a school district can't have it all, right? I mean, certain school districts are deploying two hundred plus applications. They're rostering one hundred and seventy five. There's no way that they can have personal relationships with all of these companies to be constantly getting PD in there. But you got to find that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, Micah, give me an example of what a roadmap could be Um, for anybody that's, you know, out there playing the home game, trying to figure out what to do or how to get ready for that. You know, for the upcoming second half of the year, what's your vision for a roadmap for a school district or, you know, in working to put together something for their students and teachers?
2: For our, our Samsung roadmap? Sure. Yeah, so for our Samsung roadmap, like like Dee said, we want to connect people to our PLN. We want to grow that, that professional learning network as much as possible. Many of us were doing that for a long time in, in spaces like Twitter, but I can't speak for all of you, but they keep falling away. We're losing Twitter people. And so they're going somewhere. There's conversations about, hey, I'm leaving Twitter. Where do I go? Some are saying I'm living, leaving Twitter Twitter, I'm going to Mastodon, and then a week later, like I tried Mastodon, (laughs) I'm back on Twitter. So people are looking for a a space uh, to collaborate. I belong to some wonderful listserv email threads that are highly productive, but man, a dashboard would be really nice. A place to log into, a platform would be wonderful. And that's what we have on our 2023 roadmap. There's a Samsung roadmap. Breaking uh, news. Breaking news. We have a platform coming in 2023. We'll um, populate it with our education coaches producing content. But really, we want to be facilitators. We want to help people produce their own content, contribute to their own community, really take that adoption of owning that community rather than integrating that community. Uh, And that's part of our plan moving forward. Uh, we also have some professional development that will offer that um, gives access to that thought leadership beyond our our monthly virtual professional developments are included um, with the, or are included with the interactive training. So we have we have that coming as well, um, and we're excited to to offer all of that in 2023 to schools. And you can watch our socials for that. We we produce on of course our websites and LinkedIn and those of us still on Twitter. And we're going to make sure that
1: we have all of the links for that and so much more over here on Ask the Tech Coach. This is, of course, episode number 230. And, you know, um, as we wrap up not only this episode, but this, you know, this half of the year, of course, you know, we're in late December. I want to kind of shift to the, the future here. Over the last couple months, I've been fortunate enough to be put in an amazing school. And as a coach, we come up with our 30, 60, 90 day plans. And I'm trying to figure out where we are, where we're going, where we want to be. And for myself, I decided, you know, there's only so much that I as a coach can push with or without other forces around and supporting. But I had to come up with how can I create a platform that everybody can get behind. And I came up with this concept that the center of all digital learning is that board, is that thing in the front, no matter how mobile we want to be. And if you've got a Chromebook or an iPad or a laptop, it's still that board that binds everything together. Talk to us a little bit about what the vision is for Samsung education on what is the future? What does a board look like? What does a mobile device look like? Where do you see this going out two, three, four years? I I usually ask the question this way. When next we meet at ISTE, what are we going to be hearing about?
2: Uh, well, uh, first of all, thinking in front of classrooms, it's important to pull unpack that a little bit. I remember as a, a new teacher 22 years ago, my, my principal um, – uh, observed me teaching and and watched me wander around the room and give instruction from all over the place and 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 that's kind of how I roll because I got a lot of energy in the classroom feeding off my students largely, uh, but he said you know there is a lot there's a good place a place a physical place pick that place whatever it is a place where you stand to give direct instruction where you you help the students focus. Uh, again, environmentally, they see you in that spot. They know that's an authoritative spot. It was a little hard for me to to accept that until I uh, ex- got longer in my career and I realized if I'm in a place consistently, it helps. And front of room is the natural place for that. It doesn't mean it's the only place. It's just you want to have some lo- lo- location. The, the devices displays I think are always going to have a place in in an educational institution. The ability to to cast up student work. You know, we are increasingly paperless in schools, and there's a ton of research that says putting kids' work on the walls has high value in connecting them to your classroom environment. But you're paperless. So having large displays, I think, have a place for that as well. So from a direct instruction standpoint, from a casting standpoint, from a, a syncing up the conversation standpoint, I believe front of classroom still has a powerful place, but we do not want to lock the teacher into that place, which is one of those things that Dee loves to talk about.
3: Without a doubt, it's something we both like to talk about. Be very honest there, and you know, and being the teacher being untethered is uh, was one of Mike's. Great little statements, and then I was laughing, Jeff, earlier because you were talking about the board that binds us. (laughs) Essentially, right? It binds us, but I think that if if we just reimagine what that space is, like what that front of room, what that display is for, and it's it's for multiple things, not just one thing, right? If it is, uh, I may stand at the front and I may give direction and and hold that authority just to make sure that everyone understands what we are going to accomplish. And then I share the authority when I put multiple displays on that board. And as I roam the room, I've now repositioned myself where I'm now I'm now coaching and facilitating. I'm now alongside of my students. Uh, And then I have opportunities, depending on what technology we have and what we are doing that day, because it may look different tomorrow, right, where students may be working in clusters, collaboration, my favorite word, uh, but they may with having one-to-one devices, all of them have the opportunity to have their boards and they kind of know, like all of our screens are are able to be chosen from. Uh, and that's one thing, but also it could be there's one board or excuse me, one screen that is shared from each group. And those students can share from the space that they are and everyone can see you know the board as well as they are standing at different corners of the room, or they can come up and they can present, and that also, you know, provides this different posture for the students that they understand this is a collective space where where power uh, power is shared, so to speak, within this space. Uh, but that board can be something that does kind of bring attention to everyone, but that does not necessarily mean that the teacher has to be the one. Yeah, always forever standing in the front of it, but it's providing that as an instructional tool for everyone. And that includes the teacher, right? When the teacher recognizes that his or her um, expectation every day is to be surprised and wowed by what their students create, I think is really where, where magic happens. and a And a board in the front is an opportunity where that can happen. And sometimes that's planned and sometimes that's wow, What? okay, can you do me a favor? Can you share that? Because Mm -hmm. as I've been roaming this room, I need everyone to see what you just produced.
2: (laughs) I saw a great uh, example of that. Uh, Samsung Samsung has a small project called the, I'm sorry, little known project called the Samsung Smart Schools because it it exists in Korea and in India right now. I'd love to see it in the States. Uh, When I visited Korea, I went into one of these schools and watched a teacher I couldn't, it was all in Korean, couldn't understand it all, but man, was it middle school. Let me tell you, kids are the same. So I watched a teacher stand in front of one board. Students were in five groups and they had one galaxy tab that they annotated on. They shared it and created a a web. So instead of a big piece of butcher paper or poster paper, they would pass the tablet around and add to it. The teacher would have each group cast up to the front of the room and one at a time from their seats talk about what they did. That's part one. The second part of the activity, they broke off into groups around the classroom where there were six interactive boards. They had just gone through modeling on how to use that interactive device. They broke up into their groups and they used it in their own special way to just do even more with the learning. It was the coolest thing ever to see that future where the front of room was used for this moment to model expectations, to model contributions, to... Uh, show students what's acceptable how we use this device and then to break them out and they do it all on their own Um, you know in a limitless budget that's a wonderful thing but as we said earlier the cost of these technologies goes down over time so thinking about the transition in our strategy is is what we really want to be doing because we we will be able to afford these those costs will come down.
1: You know, ISTE is right around the corner. Many of you are listening to this before the holidays. Some of you might be listening to this after the holidays, but we are around that time where we're going to be getting, uh, you know, Did you get accepted to present at an ISTE conference or an FUTC conference or an ASCD conference or something coming up in 2023? You might be at a conference walking down and, and, you know, your head turns. What is that thing? What is that board? What is that tablet? What is that Chromebook? What is that cloud storage? What is it going to be in 2023? I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Gentlemen, I want to say, first of all, thank you. I've very much enjoyed this conversation and would love to continue this over the next year and see where this is going. There's so many of these different topics in the last hour where I'd love to just do an entire show over. And I think these are important, but I also want to talk to the people out there who are listening if you'd like to get on a show with Dee and Micah, we would love to have you do this, too. I'd love to see a show like this turn into a coach's roundtable. So if you're out there listening and you have a question for Samsung or you have a question about how to be an instructional coach and support all the technology in your school district, please feel free to reach out. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. I'm still on Twitter. We're, we're not. We're not out of there yet. Although I did sign up for Mastodon under Jeff Bradbury and I don't know what I'm doing on there yet. (laughs) I I, I literally did the hello world and I, I stopped. So, but, but you did get
3: your tag out there just in case
1: people. And I think it. I'm on the wrong server because I can't find any other teachers <laughs> except for Eric Kurtz, which is a really good thing to find. He's um, a great guy. Love it, Eric. I, I, I love the guy. We, we both did our, our Google teacher Academy together in 2012. Cool. Love the Eric Kurtz. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on D. I'll start with you. Then I'll end with Micah. Give us your last words doesn't sound good but give us your last thoughts of the day and where can we get in touch with you wow
3: so many things and oh man last words thank you jeff that would be uh first before i forget but um i'll say this you know it's cool when things when your passions collide Um, And and so teachers, uh, tech coaches, educators out there, I know you know this from your experience. And um, I would just say continue to take advantage of those opportunities when your passions collide. And uh, uh, another quick story time with D would be um, so I created this design thinking product um called in time and so solving real world problems is a passion of mine then i come and work for this company called samsung and lo and behold when i uh look on my on my galaxy tab or on my phone there's an app and that app is called the samsung goals and it's the sustainable development goals where you can not only learn about the different goals that exist but also earn revenue and um, and be able to donate to any of those 17 U.N. global goals. And uh, Samsung will match money uh, on what you, you earn from that. And I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. And then to later learn that there's a, an annual competition for students called Solve for Tomorrow uh, that is around, again, not only... Becoming aware of what these sustainable global goals are, but uh, coming up with creative solutions in order to solve those problems, and so finding your passions in 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 different places is just in general very very cool. And for me, um, that has been very cool for me to work for Samsung and say, "Oh, wait a minute, we we have very much aligned uh, thoughts." And then, of course, working with Micah has has been that as well. And where do you say we get a, we can get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can. I didn't. That was a good call out, though. Um, so I am also still on the Twitters. <laughs> I am still there. Uh, at DLanier um, is the easiest and best place, at least currently. And if someone looks on the Education Mastodon, I think I have an account there as well.
2: Micah. Uh, what D said. Uh, D taught me that I'm supposed to say yes and. So I can't because I don't have a Mastodon. I tried and failed. I am on Twitter. So yes, and. So at Micah Shippey on Twitter, uh, my, my parting words for the podcast and our, our, our colleagues in the tech coaching space in particular, you're not alone. You're not alone. We, we, we hear you. We understand what you're going through. We've lived it. We are living it. We want to help. Uh, We would love for you to consider Samsung products, but we'd love for you to primarily think of us as your colleagues. Um, I don't think we ever stop being teachers. So we want to help. We want to figure out a way to help. Whatever we can do, please feel free to reach out and, and let's talk.
1: Want to say thank you to D and Micah for coming on, and for Samsung Education for connecting us here. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. We 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 did it a little bit longer, but you know what? We're gonna be off for the next couple of weeks as we get ready. There's gonna be a lot of great things happening over on TeacherCast over the next few months. I did leave our last episode. I know this is at the end, but I did leave our last episode telling you guys that I have a surprise. And uh, we're going to go into long form on this topic once we come back in January. But I'm excited to share with you guys that I officially signed a contract for a book deal. Hey. I'm writing my book. It's going to be, it's gonna be a, a not just an instructional coaching book, but it's going to be a book all about how do you build a culture for future ready? How do you build a culture for digital learning? And there's going to be a lot of coaching in there. There's going to be a lot of, you know, how do you build – the, the culture, how do you put the, br- the bridges down? How do you do training? How do you connect with ed tech? We're going to take the 230 some podcasts that we've done so far, all the blogs over at Ask the Tech Coach, all the work that we've done in professional development world, and we're putting it together. So if you're an instructional coach, this is for you. If you're a digital learning leader, this is for you. If you're somebody who's looking to get into instructional coaching and might not be listening to this episode right now, this is also for you, so that's going to be coming out hopefully. i going to cross my fingers at the end of 23. I'm going to be spending the next couple of weeks putting it together. I got about 25,000 words already. But if you'd like to contribute to this, please let me know. I'm going to do that kind of, kind of book where, in the middle of each chapter, I want to do a little you know coach's monologue, and I'd love to include you. I've said for 11 years now, Teacher Cast is a place for teachers to help other teachers, and I want this book to be a place for coaches to help other coaches, and I can't do that myself. Would love to have anybody out there listening help out, contribute, contribute a paragraph, contribute whatever that they can. I don't want this to be my book. I want this to be our our book. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'll go into more details and you're going to see a lot of stuff over at Ask the Tech Coach all about it. But before I do wrap up for this year, I want to say thank you. It's been an amazing 2023 trips to Atlanta, trips to ISTE, trips to lots of great schools. And you guys have been with me this entire year. So I want to say thank you to Dee, say thank you to Micah, and on behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep uh, keep up the great work in your classrooms and
0: continue sharing your passions with your students. Happy holidays, everybody.